This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast, live from the Cobble Group Studios here in Nashville, Tennessee, for another episode of Office Hours. If you are getting into commercial real estate, you have any questions about how investing works, how to get your first deal, how to find investors, and you want to talk with me, jump in live. We go live every Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time to answer your questions, anything you've got on commercial real estate. Today is going to be a fun episode. We're diving into a project that one of my coaching clients, Alec, is working on. And uh, I think it's going to be one that y'all are all going to find pretty interesting because it is an industrial uh, flex product, really. And that has seemed to be very popular here recently. It's obviously an asset class that I enjoy quite a bit. So uh, as we're going through it, feel free to jump in and ask your questions. I'll also be answering any other questions that may not necessarily pertain uh, to Alec's project as we're going through it. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring Alec in and uh, get this party started. Alec, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Up, Doing guys? well. Give us uh, give us a brief uh, overview of background on yourself and kind of how you got into commercial real estate. Yeah, I was in uh, college uh, three or four years ago, um, and I was studying to be an actuary. And I knew um, I knew the W two way wasn't the way to build up net worth or the life that I wanted. Um, and I also wanted to start a company and, uh, do business with people. Um, yeah. So while I got a job, I was doing real estate at night and trying to figure that out. Um, jumped into residential and then commercial and then doing my first uh, development right now. So. Awesome, man. Well, that'll be good. Cause th that's one of the questions I get asked all the time as, uh, people are getting started in commercial real estate, they want to get into development. And it's a bit more complicated uh, than it is just buying an existing building, as I'm sure you've learned. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about how you got into it. So let me pull up the the photos of the property so that you can get a little bit more context if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening in, we're looking at some renderings right now of the Flex building. Uh, it looks like it's it's a metal exterior with some some windows. Are those roll-up like glass garage doors, Alec? Uh, no. So we'll have the bay doors in the back. Um, I don't know if you can see there's like a little white door that's the door where they get in and the bigger the bigger window is just uh the window that the door will be in but there will be a glass door there awesome is this going to be a single tenant or a multi-tenant yeah so i'm planning on a i'm planning on a condoizing it so and that's a that's a site right there it's just a one acre site um i'll condoize it so there'll be four tenants and the building will be split up into four parts so you can buy um like one quarter of the building if you want or three quarters, whatever you want to do. Awesome. Yep. That makes sense. So cool. Yep. So you've got parking on in the front and on the side of the building. Looks like you've got rear access. Um, you've got a drive in and a drive out. So two of those, um, looks like you've got maybe trash in the back as well as some access doors. Let's see what else we got going on here. Here's another rendering from the aerial view. Um, it's a nice little kind of corner lot. You've got a lot of visibility on this parcel, um, which is good. Did I see that you were closer to an interstate or a major highway? 
Um, mm. Yeah, we're we're kind of close to I ninety five. The 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 appeal to that area is it's you know near a retail zone, so it'll be it'll be more for like plumbers or for um, like small uh, contractors. So just like a contractor garage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I ninety five is a a pretty popular interstate. We've actually looked at buying some property out that way too. Uh, I like these renderings, man. I mean, it's nice and clean. It's simple. That's that's the great thing about Flex is that you don't have to overthink the design. I mean, you just go with, you know, some nice windows, taller ceilings. How, how tall are the ceilings in the property? Yeah, so we'll do, we haven't ordered our metal building yet, but it'll be uh, 18 foot uh, clear height. 18 feet? Awesome. Yeah. And it probably goes down to what, 16 or so um, at the eaves of the oh, front? Uh, so the walls would be uh, 18 and uh, that, that, uh, the pitch in that roof is a little exaggerated. Uh, the pitch won't be that um, that high up. Uh, it'll be a little bit more flatter than that. Okay, awesome. Well, cool, man. So this is the parcel here. Let's get into, you want to talk about market comps first? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, walk us through this. Why did you decide that this was a development worth doing? Yeah, so um, the biggest thing uh, when you get into development is figuring out if there's a demand for the product that you want to build. Um, like, and that's location specific and, uh, product specific too. Um, so the first thing to do is like check where, where can you get, um, like 14, 15 bucks, triple net rents. Um, that, that's what I was looking for. And then the second thing I was looking for is where's a good County to work in. Um, I found that Spotsylvania is a little bit easier County to work with, and you can figure that out by talking to contractors or by talking to other developers, um, and figure out like in that little industrial bay that I, or uh, that little industrial park that I'm building in, um, you can get 14, 15 bucks triple net rents if it's a new build and the building size. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, those are the numbers that you want to hit, right? I mean, whenever we're looking at ground up flex buildings, anywhere from 14 to $16 a foot triple net is, is what we're aiming for. In some markets, you can justify higher than that. Uh, in some markets, you, you can't justify, uh, anything higher than 12. So it, it completely depends. So that's a, that's a good market to be in. So let's, let's talk through, um, sales comps. I mean, why, uh, like do the numbers out there support building and, and selling a project like this, or is it something that you'll have to hold in cash flow for a little bit? Yeah, it, it supports, um, yeah, so we'll be able to sell it, right. Uh, we'll have to hold it a little bit. Um, cause w once you get your first, uh, LOI for a tenant, um, it's the start, the clock starts ticking what the building will be worth. So I think an appraiser will appraise it based off the first LOI, like six to six to 12 months after that first LOI. Yep. And so you're, you're talking about conduing these out. Are you, are you going to be selling directly to the, the tenants or are you going to, to lease it up and then sell those based on a cap rate? Yeah, I would, um, I would be very happy selling it to an end, end user. Um, that would make me very happy. Um, and also we can offer some sort of seller financing, like a, uh, a seller carry to help them get into the condo uh, for a lower down payment. Um, I, I would, I'm going to plan on keeping one of the condos, uh, just for the depreciation. Uh, there's a depreciation play with the condos. If you keep one of them, you also keep the ground improvements too. Um, I I'm still talking to a cost expert, how that works. I don't really understand that, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I always recommend. Talk to a cost segregation expert because they'll be able to walk you through all of that, but definitely not a bad idea to keep one of the units to, to help with the depreciation. Cause that's the, that's one of the tough parts about development is that you're, you're not really able to get into long-term capital gains, which means that you're going to have to either 1031 exchange if you don't want to pay capital gains tax or just bite the bullet and pay it. Exactly. 
So if you get uh, if you keep one of the units and depreciate it, it'll it'll definitely help with your tax uh, situation there. Um, S. Dillon is asking, what is the rough cost per square foot now to build something like this? That's a great question. We're going to dive into all of that today. Um, so it looks like here you've got you know lease comparisons for flex buildings. I mean, you're showing here. I mean, how far of a, a radius did you go around this property to determine um, comps? Uh, just in that industrial park. Uh, so it's it's in a industrial park with I don't know how many buildings. I think it's in the site plans, but let's say like 20, 30 buildings. Um, and you basically yeah. So you, you went with like immediate neighbors. Yep, yep. And so you can you can kind of get an idea. So uh, the the older tenants you're going to get lower rents. So you have to kind of compare it to the the newer the newer buildings. Um, so if, if you look at, um, like that bottom one, three, five, oh, six sham park, that's a newer building that gets closer up to 13. Um, and I think we have a comp in there that's for 14 or 15, but like the newer, the building, the like higher rents you can get. So. Yep. Yeah. There's one that's 2,100 square foot in cap unit, at least at $15 a square foot, triple net, $2 and triple net fees. Uh, this is great. So I always recommend when you're pulling comps, try and find as many properties there are immediately nearby as possible, because those are your best comps hands down so alec yeah good good move on pulling them literally from the immediate neighbors and if you're if you're listening on the podcast these comps range anywhere from it looks like about ten dollars and fifty cents a square foot net to about fifteen dollars a square foot net so um you know if you're if you're looking at doing a development project trying to figure out where your rents might be the first thing i would do is look into okay what is the the project that's ten dollars and fifty cents a square foot triple net what are they offering? How old is the building? How long has the tenant been there compared to the $15 a square foot triple net? And that'll kind of help you determine, you know, what amenities do I need to have for the building to make it worth it? Uh, what what do I need to be offering? You know, are there any sort of rent concessions, you know, unit sizes, et cetera, that'll kind of help you dive into that. Uh, let's see, Charlotte is saying, oh, for some reason it's not pulling up. Charlotte's saying, what are the biggest risks to watch out for while developing a property like this? That's a great question, and that's actually what we're going to get into next. So let's look at uh, where did we have that? We, you were talking about the soils and geotechnical. Is this the the image that you wanted to share? Yep. So uh, uh, this is uh, we'll have that corner lot right there, or uh, on that corner lot. Um, that the whole area was um, uh, site prep was done. Let's say I think 10, 15 years ago. Uh, there was an old soil base in there. I'm not sure if that was used as a retention pond or what, but uh, a corner of the building will actually go over that. Um, if you don't do a geotechnical, if you don't understand um, the the soft, like how soft the soil is or what type of work you need to do to get the soil to firm up, like you can build a building and it can be worth nothing. Like it could be destroyed within a year um, just because there's no foundational integrity there. So. You have to really, yeah, there's a lot of things you have to look into and uh, getting a geotechnical is just one aspect to make sure that the product is not an absolute failure. That's absolutely right. I mean, Alec was able to find this property that already had plans with it. So he hasn't even had to, uh, you know, go through that whole process, which is awesome. Like if you are doing your first development, do that. Typically makes it a lot easier, but make sure that you ha you have a civil engineer or an architect or somebody that understands construction very well. Uh, make sure they take a look at it so that they, uh, can verify that the plans will actually work on the site. So if you're unfamiliar with a geotechnical survey, essentially what it is is a, a uh, you probably have a civil engineer do this. That's typically what we do. They've got subs that they'll send out to do these. And basically they go out to the site and they take core samples. So they will drill down a certain amount of feet 
Uh, and it depends on, you know, the site, the location. Uh, sometimes they'll drill down until they hit rock, uh, depending on how uh, you decide to set up the geotechnical. Sometimes they'll just keep drilling until they hit 15 feet or whatever that is. And they look at those core samples to determine what kind of soils that you have there. Because the last thing you want to do is basically be building on top of a sinkhole, right? Because these buildings are heavy. You pour a concrete pad, then you start framing on it, then you put all of the you know exterior sheathing. Everything starts to add up, and so it's going to compact into the soil if it's not a strong enough soil to hold it. Um, I've actually I, I got a couple of instances where developers did that wrong. There was one a few years ago that was building an apartment complex that uh, they didn't do a geotechnical, and they started digging into the soil, you know, thinking that there was going to be limestone for them to set their piers on top of. And it ended up being 80 feet down into the ground before they hit limestone. And that uh, the soil was way too soft for them to build anything on top of without it just, you know, completely tearing apart. So they had to dig down 80 feet and pour concrete piers all the way up to the top. It was a very, very expensive change order. So you want to make sure that you are keeping an eye out for that as you're going through that process. All right, Alec, what uh, what do you want to dive into next? Your budget or your pro forma? Um, yeah, let's get into the pro forma um, and then we can work backwards budget. Um, awesome. Yeah, so the like once you figure out what type of rents you can get, figure out what type of cap rate your market gets and that fluctuates um, based on uh, market conditions. Um, like right now we're in a period where cap rates, uh, cap rates are coming up a little bit, um, but uh, as you can see with the top table, um, those are the potential triple net rents that you can get. And I just assign probabilities to each one. Um, like, let's say, let's say the project's going to be done in six months. Like, that's what the probability of the rents would be. Um, and then you price it at a different cap rate. So let's say you have a, you can sell a building at a six cap. Um, you can sell for a lot higher, but if it's a 7.5 cap, you're going to sell for a lot lower per square foot. That's right. So if you're if you're listening on the podcast, we're looking at yeah you know, one of the one of the lines is twelve dollars and fifty cents per square foot triple net. A price at a six cap would be two hundred and eight dollars a square foot on the sale. Six and a half cap would be one hundred and ninety two dollars. Seven cap would be one hundred and seventy eight. So you can kind of see and start to stress test your project to make sure you know hey, in a worst case scenario, if we you know end up only being able to get twelve dollars and fifty cents a square foot in rent. And then, you know, we're only able to exit at a seven and a half cap, which is $167 a foot. Is the project worth doing? I like to do that on every single deal that I do because it's always best to look at the worst case scenario and say, look, if in a worst case scenario, if we, you know, miss our assumptions, does this deal still make sense for us to do? Can we still sell it and at least walk away with our money or and hopefully make a profit? Can we hold it in cash flow for a little while? Uh, until you know interest rates come down and cap rates compress you know it's it's always good to just stress test a deal and make sure that uh, you're not being too aggressive i see a lot of people that get very aggressive like oh no we're definitely going to get you know 15 dollars a square foot at a six cap well you know you gotta you gotta take that into account right i mean maybe you'll probably get 15 dollars a square foot he's, he's showing 14 dollars and 50 cents a foot here there's comps that support that it's a brand new product uh, but if 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 Alex if Alex was coming to me and saying no we're definitely going to get a six cap on the exit we're going to get two hundred and forty two dollars a square foot I'd say well you might want to consider where the interest rates are in the market and how small the project is right I mean a six cap is going to make sense for an institutional investor and institutional investors want a hundred thousand square feet 
So it's it's best to think of who your end buyer might be uh, before you start going into all that. So I mean, you've, you've done a great job here pulling in all your probabilities, uh, the different rents and different cap rates you could hit on exit. So, I mean, Alec, just out of curiosity, if you did hit $12.50 a foot, uh, triple net at a seven and a half cap, does that does that work for you guys? Yeah, it, it still works. So we, we um, and, and these are uh, uh, more conservative uh, estimates, but um, yeah, we, we price it out or uh, worst case scenario, we, we should be able to break even and our investors get their money back or, or return on their investment. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's see. Rich with cars is saying, I assume that the newer buildings would demand a higher rent per square foot in regards to lease cops. That That's absolutely true. And so that's, uh, I mean, because usually you've got, you know, just a better looking building. Tenants are willing to pay for that. You've typically got uh, better access, right? Some older buildings have, you know, shorter, shorter ceilings and they've got, you know, one drive in, drive out. You might have one roll up door that everybody has to share. And so when you're building new construction, you typically just build a better product uh, and tenants are willing to pay for that. So, all right. Performa looks good. Let's look at uh, this site survey real quick. So, you know, everybody can kind of see um, what you got going on here. I mean, you can see there's, it, it is a pretty good sized office park. Um, the project is right here at the kind of bottom right corner. But you can see, I mean, there's a, a field house over here. It looks like there's some office space, a um, couple more vacant lots, which means there's going to be some more development here in the future. Um, and you're not at the end of the street, which is always nice too. I mean, I think this is a great area, Alec. Thank you. And uh, we're right by an airport. Uh, so my property is bored with the airport. So there you go. That's, that's always nice. If you can build flex space near an airport, uh, you know, it, it, it makes it a lot easier on these guys. Typically airports are pretty close to highways, which is always nice. But you know, if you've got like an e-commerce company or anybody that's going to be shipping and receiving quite a bit, it makes it very convenient for them to be able to just drop things off. All right, let's get into your budget because we were talking earlier about construction costs. It sounds like you're going to be ordering a prefabricated building for this. Is that correct? Yep, metal prefab building. Awesome. So walk us through your construction budget on this one. Yeah, so we bought the land for uh, two seventy five, and uh, I I would say that's a pretty good deal because it came with site plans. You're probably going to spend. Uh, for the site is project 50 to 70 K for site plan. So that's included. Um, tap fees are not, uh, included. So if you, if, uh, I think row 26, oh, 25, yep. 27, it's kind of hard yeah. to see. Um, yeah. So tap fees, um, can get pretty expensive as you can see that, that that's for a pretty small tap and that's a tap into the water and the sewer. So you have to account for both of those, but like, let's say you want to build in, uh, Virginia, let's say you want to build a 20,000 square foot building. You're gonna have to put uh, sprinklers in there, and that's uh, you're gonna have to pay tap fees for that. You're gonna have to tap in six inches for that, and that's another like three hundred thousand dollars just in tap fees. Wow, uh, so just, that's just that's unbelievably expensive. By the way, <laughs> I'm looking at that from Nashville. I'm like, man, our tap fees are nowhere near that. Yeah, I think uh, Virginia's been trying to slow the growth a little bit and also um, capitalize on uh, the growing market. So the cities in the county are trying to make more money. Um, so over the board. Uh, Tap fees went up, I think, uh, I think 300%. I'd have to check the numbers again, but it went up pretty significantly, significantly in the last like two years. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty high. Y'all, y'all have some pretty high permitting fees too. Yep, permits are pretty expensive, um, but thankfully we don't have to pay for site plans. And also another thing with site plans, um, thankfully in my county, it only takes uh, three months 
to get site plans approved, assuming nothing goes wrong. If you want to build in Raleigh, for example, like, yeah, you can get 19, 21 bucks triple net, but, uh, it, it might take, uh, it might take a year, two years to get site plans approved. Um, Wake County is a lot. You just have that to figure like out Nashville. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it, we're, we're still going through the permitting process at our hotel, which I mean, hell, I've been working on that for two years. It's a nightmare, great. man. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about, you know, these per square foot costs. I mean, looking at the metal framing and insulation, it, it, just so everybody's aware, I, I, I think we mentioned it earlier, but it's a 10,000 square foot building. The reason that we typically recommend building flex spaces in increments of 10,000 square feet is because of what Alec was saying earlier with regards to the sprinkler systems. If you start to go over 10,000 square feet, you have to input sprinklers and it gets unbelievably expensive. And, you know, you can fire rate these buildings without having to use sprinkler systems. So um, if, you, if you're looking at a, you know, three, four, five acre site, instead of building, you know, a 100,000 square foot building of flex, you could look at building 10, 10,000 square foot buildings. It, it allows you to phase it out so you de-risk the asset by not building too much and hoping that it absorbs. You can just kind of phase it. Go one building at a time, make sure it gets leased up before you move on to the next one. So it looks like in here you've got metal framing and insulation at $13.20 a foot. That is the beauty of going with a prefabricated metal building system on Flexspace. I mean, you can get it at a pretty good cost. Uh, walk us through everything else. What are, you, what are you thinking about here? Yeah, so um, we... My uh, partner, he's from uh, Ukraine, so we're, we're able to partner with some factories out there to get um, cheaper prices on a lot of things. Uh, for metal buildings, uh, you're going to see, you'll, you'll probably see around uh, 16 to 20 bucks a foot, just depending on uh, where metal's at um, or, or how metal's doing in the market currently. But um, like in China, you can probably get cheaper, you can get a cheaper building. Um, you have to pay an import tax, I think of like 20, 25%. So just keep that in mind. If you import anything, there's going to be an import tax, just depending on where it's at. Um, there, there's some American companies where you can get a good price, but you have to really shop around and also build a relationship up with them. Um, so if you want to buy bay doors, anything like you have to build up a relationship and know, um, like let them know that you're going to be a long-term customer and you might bring more customers too. Right. Yep. It's always about the, uh, it's always about the relationship there. Rich with cars is asking, are tap fees equivalent to impact fees? Um, yes and no. It kind of depends on the market. Tap fees is basically, you know, to literally tap into the utilities uh, that they've got going on there. Some municipalities will loop in tap fees and impact fees together. Sometimes they're totally separate. Um, so it, it just depends. Like, you know, Williamson County here, Brentwood, uh, just south of Nashville, they've got some insane impact fees that are separate from their tap fees. Um, okay, looking at your budget, a couple of things that stand out to me. Um, one, you've got lighting with a rebate included. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, depending on... Um, so for the county that we're working in, we're I think uh, Dominion Energy does the lighting and they offer like a rebate for it. Um, I actually don't know too much about it. Um, I When I get there, I'll I'll get there, but um, they, they offer you some type of rebate and the government might also offer some type of subsidy too. Um, I, I'm not as familiar with it because we're not in that stage of the uh, process, but. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, that'd be cool if you're, if you're able to do that. What about the phosphorus credits? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what that is, but um, uh, so when we got our, oh, so when we got the site plans from the broker, it was actually the wrong site plans um, where it had a retention pond. Uh, the new site plan, the new and approved site plans by the 
uh, county did not actually have a retention pond and, and said uh, you needed to buy something called phosphorus credits. And I, I don't really understand what that is, but you go to a, uh, an environmental bank and you basically just buy the credits. So you're just paying the bank money and you don't, you don't get anything in return. You just get the credits and I'm not, I don't really know. I, I don't, it's like some type of government thing. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if it's because of some sort of impact that the the site development is having um, that you have to buy that. I mean, it's it's not uncommon to have to buy, you know, I mean, we, we all hear about tax credits and things like that, um, but there's there's other items out there that are similar. So let's look at your expected cost. So all in is a million one twenty three, which is $112 a square foot. Uh, typically, when you're building flex, you're you're going to be anywhere from. I mean, I've seen seventy five dollars a foot on the cheap end. I don't know how people are able to pull that off because I've never been able to figure that part out. Uh, as high as about one hundred thirty, one hundred thirty five dollars a foot. So, at one hundred and twelve, that's a pretty good price per square foot. That's really where ideally you are. I mean, if you can get one hundred ten to one hundred and fifteen, you're you're sitting pretty. Uh, you know, especially if you're looking at twelve to fourteen dollars a foot triple mat. You know. Um, just on a hard cost, you're looking at, you know, 10% uh, plus cap rate uh, to build, which is, which is excellent. So awesome. Alec, uh, what else, what else on this project? What are you guys going to get started on it? Yeah. Um, so we we're waiting for some, uh, we're just waiting for some cash to come in. So, uh, and uh, we, we haven't signed our operating agreement with our partners quite yet because uh, there's uh, one way that we can financing it, uh, one way that we'd like to finance it. And uh, I'm trying to close in this deal right now, but um, there's something called a, a walking debt. Um, and I don't know if you follow, if you guys follow Casey Miracle on Twitter, but he's he's really cool and he talks about walking debt. But essentially uh, what you do is you find a building um, that is, uh, you try to get, you try to negotiate seller financing terms and then um, you get what's called a substitution of collateral, and then you short sell the building and then move the debt over to your project, um, as long as the collateral is uh, worth more and that they have more protection. So everybody everybody wins in this situation. Um, so what we're trying to do is, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to buy, I'm trying to buy this townhome out in Boulder right now, uh, seller financed, um, and I'm, I'm giving them above market price, um, but the seller financing terms are uh, like, let's say a three, 4% interest rate. We haven't um, we haven't closed anything, but that's kind of what we're negotiating. Um, what we'll do then is we'll wholesale it to somebody for a lower price. So they'll get like a value add price or discounted price. And then we'll move that debt over to this project. And then that debt will fund this entire project. So it's a pretty interesting way to set it up. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And to, to protect the seller, you want to do, uh, uh, escrow payments. So kind of, kind of how a bank will fund a development project is, uh, like, let's say you did your site prep, they'll bring out inspect and they'll inspect it and then they'll release more money to you. And then once you do your concrete, they'll release more money. Um, so if, if you do it that way, if you, if they escrow money over time and it's through a title company, um, everybody's protected and let's say the project goes South, they get the development site, which is, you know, worth more than the amount that they, um, amount for their note. So. I love it, man. Well, Alec, thanks for yep. joining us today and walking us through this project. It looks like an exciting one, and I can't wait to hear you uh, how things go on it. Cool. Appreciate it, Tyler. Absolutely, man. We'll catch you later. Cool. All right. So we got a couple more questions here in the live chat I'm going to go ahead and answer before we cut out today. 
Uh, let's see. Kenny is saying, hey, Tyler, we're thinking of purchasing a single corporate triple net tenant. What to look for as a newbie? Appraisal or environmental report needed? Thanks. So, yeah, when it, when it comes to triple net investments, uh, if it's your first one, you know, the biggest thing is to make sure that you've got a really good commercial real estate attorney because you're going to want to make sure that they review the lease because that's essentially what you're buying is the lease and the credit of the tenant that backs that lease. Um, so highly recommend getting a really good attorney to work with you. Um, I've got a great one here in Nashville that works across the country. If you want to talk to her, I'm happy to, to introduce you. Just shoot me a DM on Instagram um, or you know, send me an email at office at thecobblegroup.com. Happy to hook you up. Um, you will be getting an appraisal. Um, environmental reports are not necessarily needed, uh, but it depends on what your lender is going to require. I typically like to do them anyway, just as a part of my due diligence, so I know exactly what I'm getting into. Because you never know. I mean, there could have been a dry cleaners next door 20 years ago. And unfortunately, that that can just bring up some issues. Um, so it's worth doing. But the biggest thing is is to um, is to make sure that you're reviewing the lease. Like whenever we do triple net investments, typically our clients don't even go out and see them. You know, when we're brokering these deals, we might fly out and take a look at them if, if the client wants us to. But we hire a local building inspector. We go through and get a, a, a survey if it's needed. Sometimes they'll have an updated one. We'll do, um, I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, have conversations with the bank. We're reviewing the lease. And plenty of our clients never even go out and see the properties um, when they buy them because we're able to do enough of the due diligence remotely. But yeah, survey, environmental, phase one, hopefully not a phase two, and a building inspection. Other than that, I mean, there's there's not a lot to do. That's the great thing about buying these single-tenant net lease deals. Let's see. Logan's saying, I've got 1.76 acre zone commercial industrial just north of Raleigh on US Highway 1. Care to check it out and see if it would make sense to clear level and use as iOS? Yeah, absolutely. Shoot it over to me. Happy to take a look at it. Uh, again, that's office at thecobblegroup.com. And uh, let's see what we can do. I've got, I've got some buddies out in North Carolina um, that might be interested in, in taking a look at that as well. Uh, Bader's saying, do you get quotes from suppliers on all these line items to prepare your budget and pro forma? Uh, so there's there's a couple different ways to do it. If you've never done it before, yes, you want to talk to a general contractor that has all of these items, uh, specifically a contractor that has been doing these this type of construction and is hopefully actively working on some so that they have fresh bids on a you know, price per square foot basis. It's once you get to know it a little bit, you don't necessarily have to have that going into every single project, but it's always good to have if you've already got plans to get a couple of bids and figure out exactly uh, or at least close to what your price is going to be, plus or minus 10%, uh, because it's it, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong there, and you don't want to make too many assumptions on your budget because you're going to base your construction loan off of that. And so, you know, if you come in too low, then you've got to go back to the bank, renegotiate your construction loan. You don't necessarily want to do that. It's kind of a pain. Let's see. Obstacles is saying, great when you hear about the creative financing and venture people are engaging in the current market. I love the seller financing deal just spoken about. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting structure. I've never heard of that before. I'm going to have to look into it um, and, uh, and see what we can do there. Ethan is asking for Alec's email. Ethan, let me talk to Alec and uh, make sure that that's something okay to to give out. And uh, shoot me a DM on Instagram. If he says yes, I'll, I'll shoot that over to you. 
Evan's saying have four acres of commercial land under contract to buy. We'll be building extra large storage. What do you think is a good percentage of department to have on build? Uh, or pay as much cash as possible? Oh, he, I think he probably meant down payment. Uh, so typically when I'm doing you know development, especially in a day like today where the market is, I think 30 to 35% down. It just makes me comfortable makes the bank comfortable, makes it a lot easier to deal with. Um, you know, if, if you're only looking at working on one project at a time and you have enough cash to put up to 50% down, I would say go for it. I think that it de-risks the project quite a bit and makes it worth it, uh, especially in a day like today. It'll keep your carrying costs low as you're going through the development. And then, you know, you'll be able to refi, pull all of that cash back out, move on to the next project. So, uh, there you have it for today's episode of Office Hours. Thank you all for joining us live and uh, walking through Alec's project. Alec, thank you for jumping in and sharing that with us. I hope it was very uh, educational for everybody that's interested in getting into development. And we will see you all in the next one. This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com.